letter to the Romans that we heard today, St. Paul kind of teaches us how to pray, and we can get kind of an early Christian or, or even Jewish, we can say, spirituality and instruction of how to pray. The first part of that letter and what he talks about, the groaning of the Spirit and how the Spirit moves and speaks for us, is essentially what we would call meditative prayer. In spiritual exercises, we do meditations. And St. Ignatius explains that meditations, at least the, the Ignatian tradition, are a little bit different, but they're actually taken from the same principle. Whereas we put ourselves in one of the scenes from the Bible or from the life of Christ, and we put ourselves in there as if we were there, well, as if we are there. And we place ourselves in, and consider and meditate on what will we tell the Lord and what would the Lord say to us? Well, in a certain way, what we are doing, what St. Ignatius is inviting us to do, is to let the Holy Spirit speak for us. To let the Holy Spirit that is in us speak. The Holy Spirit that is in us and we receive in a gift and or baptism and confirmation, speaks and says what we can't say or what words fail to say for us. Sometimes people always ask, I, I want to pray, but I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to say. Essentially, you don't have to say anything, really. Yes, there's prayer that we know that says things, and it's kind of the first prayer that we learn, repetitive prayer, that we know our fathers, we know our Hail Marys, we know our Glory Bees. And yeah, that's fine. That is the first prayers that we probably learned, and we should say them. But that's not all there is to prayer, and we can't reduce prayer to just that. There is another prayer, which is really us who speak to God in our own way. And the way we speak to him goes beyond language, goes beyond words or phrases. It is the Holy Spirit in us who communicates with the Lord himself. And so that's why the Spirit can speak for us. The Spirit speaks to the Lord. It expresses what we cannot express. It sees what we cannot see, and it hears what we can't hear with these, with our ears. Essentially, that's what meditative prayer wants us to do. When we place ourselves in those scenes in the spiritual exercises, to say what we probably couldn't say otherwise, to hear what we couldn't otherwise hear, to express what we probably can't otherwise express outside of that time. And St. Paul in the second part of that tells us also another way of praying. He actually talks about two ways of praying. The search, the one who searches the heart for the intention of the Spirit. It's another way of praying in self to search your heart for what the Holy Spirit is saying or what the Holy Spirit is moving you to. Well, this one should be easy. This one can be reduced very simple. St. Ignatius had a great catchphrase. It's called the examine, the examination of conscience. What is it other than to hear and to see and perceive where the Spirit is moving us to? Where is the Spirit discerning for us? That's kind of what he tries to do with the, with the examination of conscience. But St. Paul tells us that that's another way of that prayer. The man who earnestly searches his heart to see what the intention of the Spirit is, because what that intention of the Holy Spirit is, is what God is telling you, is what God is speaking to you at this moment. Perhaps that's an ultimate form of prayer 
to listen to God. How do we do it? Search your heart for that Holy Spirit. See, St. Augustine perhaps has the most famous phrase that's exactly that. You don't have to go too far. You don't have to go out of yourself. Turn back into yourself and find in the interior of man is God. It resides. The gospel might take a different approach. And if St. Paul's telling us about how to pray, the gospel reminds us and kind of follows this theme that we have towards the end of this ordinary time, even though we still got about almost four more weeks, sometimes it lines up perfectly that at the end of, uh, or pretty much when November rolls around, where it should be in Advent, it might be a little bit later this year. But notice that next week, well, November starts, and we always start November off with All Saints. And the second day of November, it's followed immediately by All Souls. Those two are related. When Advent comes around, Advent is both the end of the year or marks this beginning of the new liturgical year, but also looks back at the end. Advent itself looks two ways, towards the coming of Christ and the second coming, but also back to the incarnation of Christ. And so it's a nexus of time. And so as we approach Advent or this, that time when Advent's supposed to come, yeah, it's like the hourglass starts to wane and, and we move into it. We remember those ahead of us in heaven, the saints, and we remember those who have gone already ahead of us and wait for that, for, uh, for that heavenly reward. It's kind of end of times, is what we think. And the gospel over the last couple of weeks have been talking about that kind of end, that preparation for the end. Little by little, it starts to hint at it. It's kind of the time of the season now. That end of time is still a theme, and those who have truly turned to the Lord shall be welcomed by the Lord in heaven. And the time is now. Because if we look at what that gospel is telling us, and the doorkeeper who has already closed for the night, and when someone knocks, he goes, I don't know who you are. I haven't seen you. Oh, but you used to walk around. We heard you. We were around you. I don't know who you are. It's too late. No one has a right to salvation. It's not something that we can claim a right and obligate to God to. Just because, oh yeah, I was there. Oh, that means you must allow me in. Not really. We live in a culture that's based on rights, um, what we can demand, what we can expect, or what we might be entitled to. But perhaps here the takeaway is that that salvation, that door to heaven, no one has a right or a claim or can have the uh, can feel entitled to it. For the one who guards the door is the one who has the right to enter to let someone enter. And if we have not truly turned to him and we're not truly with him, he will not recognize us on the day that we show up at that door. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit.